Welcome to the second series of podcasts focusing on innovative design trials from the Health Research Authority, the NIHR CRN Coordinating Centre, and in this series, the NIHR Office for Clinical Research Infrastructure. This time, we will be discussing some of the key learning points from the COVID-19 pandemic, and we will be building on the further questions around the management and delivery of complex, innovative design trials during the pandemic. My name is Alan Gore, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Emma Lowe, who is the Acting Head of Research Policy for Clinical Research and Growth at the UK Department of Health and Social Care. Emma works within the Science, Research and Evidence Directorate at the department, leading on research policy for clinical research and growth. Her roles include supporting the implementation of the Life Sciences Industrial Strategy and areas of policy which contribute to making the UK the destination of choice for placement of clinical research. Emma has an MSc in People and Organisational Development, has held a variety of roles within the NHS and previously led the design and delivery of learning and workforce development programmes in the NIHR Clinical Research Network, including the NIHR's Good Clinical Practice Programme. Emma, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here. Now, from my introduction, it's clear you have a broad portfolio of work, but it is one particular aspect of that that I would like to focus on, if I may, specifically your involvement in what has become known as innovative clinical trial design and delivery. The pandemic has posed many challenges across the board, but I wonder if I could begin by asking how it has impacted on the work of you and your colleagues in this area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it's impacted hugely, as you can imagine. Um, and in the broadest sense, um, in terms of innovation, particularly early on in the pandemic, um, it, it put a stop to quite a lot of the work that we were doing from a policy perspective because everybody was understandably completely focused on dealing with the pandemic. Um, and really, it was about kind of seeing how all of the things that we'd been trying to put in place to enable innovative trials um, kind of did um, in the midst of the pandemic and people trying to develop and deliver trials very quickly. Um, and obviously, that's some of that we're going to talk about um, in our conversation today. Um but it, it's also been a time of huge interest in research. And I think that actually that's probably been the biggest change, that research is very much on kind of the, the front of people's agenda. It's been talked about um, by regular people on the streets and, and across the NHS and, and the wider health and care system in a way that it probably isn't normally. Um, and people really understand, um, you know, very acutely the connection between um, clinical research and clinical trials and things that will actually make a difference in their day-to-day -day lives. So the conversation's changed quite a lot. And I think people's expectations have gone up. Um, so it's definitely been um, an interesting period to, to work through. And I guess where that leaves us from a policy perspective is there's huge enthusiasm to learn from the pandemic and the things that have gone really well. There have been some huge successes um, that people are really keen uh, to make the most of and, um, and, and to see go forward. Um, and so a lot of my work and, and the work of the people um, across the department and the Office for Life Sciences and, and all the organisations we work with um, has been about how do we learn from the pandemic um, and ensure that we're making things better as we go forward. You've alluded to changes and I wonder if you could give us some examples of the kinds of changes that we have seen in the way that clinical trials have been designed and delivered during the pandemic and perhaps even in the way that they are being regulated. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest change 
um, has been the impact of the urgent public health research process. So this was a process that um, the the department um, and the Medical Research Council and the NIHR stood up um, along with our devolved administration colleagues in the very early stages of the pandemic to identify what was the research that we needed the most urgently to answer the questions that, that we really needed to address um, and then to make sure that that research got developed quickly, was set up quickly and delivered quickly so that we got the answers as fast as possible. Um, and that has really focused people's minds. And and so it, in part, it's the prioritisation that came with that that was a, a very big change because it, it really focused people on a very, um, you know, a very urgent issue that we were all facing. But it also... Um, I suppose provided an opportunity to deliver wraparound support to those trials uh, which were were seen as as being the mo- most urgent um, for the system so making sure that um, they were designed quickly um, and that they were designed with deliverability in mind um, and one of the things with innovative trials um, it is it is about how you design in an innovative way to get to answer different questions in different ways but it's also about how we can be innovative in how we deliver those trials so really making sure that we were making the most of opportunities to build that into the research design so that they would get delivered as quickly and easily as possible um and then i think also more broadly beyond the actual trials themselves we've seen a lot of innovation in the research system itself um so the platform trials are probably the most notable innovation that, that people would be aware of so that's the big trials around like recovery uh, remap cap and principle um, that have delivered up answers about which which medicines um, are actually effective in treating covid but also we've seen enormous speed in the process of of achieving approvals some of which has absolutely just been because people have worked all the hours under the sun um, and the moon to, to get things to happen quickly but some of it has also been about innovation and we've seen the impact of uh, rolling reviews by the MHRA that have helped to get things approved more quickly and into practice more quickly, and also how we use our research infrastructure. Um, so the Clinical Research Network, for example, have taken quite a different role than they would normally do in enabling the vaccine trials to happen um, and making sure that studies get staffed and they're set up in a different way and, and how we get patients into those trials. There's been a lot of work to embed the delivery of, of the platform trials, particularly recovery in the regular care pathways and getting people who are involved in triaging people as they're admitted to hospital or or using uh, the pathways through primary care to identify people to participate um, in in the principal trial. Um, And also things like um, innovation in in learning and and training. Um, So developing associate PIs um, who can expand the capacity of clinical teams to take on research. Um, More pragmatic GCP training with people being trained just to do the bit of their role in the research process rather than requiring everybody to do full GCP training, which obviously we've been talking about for a long time. So I think overall it's been uptake of the existing guidelines and regulations rather than the regulations themselves being any different, um, which has been really interesting to see. The only exception to that really is data, where actually we've seen the ability to use patient identifiable data to enable people to participate in trials or for us to be able to track what's happening with people who've had a positive COVID test result um, or have had particular conditions and therefore might be um, eligible 
um, to participate in a trial. And we've been able to use data in slightly different ways. Um, and that'll be one of the things that we look at going forward because it, it's really enabled patients to have more access to trials and for those trials to be able to progress at greater speed. Um, and so we want to explore kind of how, how is it right to make that more regular um, or actually should we keep the safeguards? I mean, obviously it's done with safeguards in place, but but at, you know, should we be looking at the standards again, I think is the question we're left with. For obvious reasons, we've focused very much on the delivery of COVID-related study, trials and studies so far in our discussion, but clearly there is a whole array of other studies that we must consider. What impact has the pandemic had on innovation in non-COVID research? It's been a really interesting time, I think, um, because being able to use the innovations and, and the the guidance and what's sometimes been perceived as regulatory flexibilities or, or our regulatory flexibilities, um, that's really enabled some non-COVID trials to stay open because they could change um, the way that they were delivered or they could change the setting in which they were taking place. Um, so maybe studies that were taking place in a hospital um, are now being delivered in the care pathway or be, um, in the primary care pathway or in the community or in people's homes. Um, some trials are being done virtually. Um, so things like um, arranging for IMPs to be delivered um, to people at home, virtual uh, follow-up, much greater use of digital technology um, for people to, uh, for, for data to be collected from, uh, from patients. Um, and that's enabled a number of studies to stay open. Um, also, yeah, virtual trials. Um, so there's a, a study that's happened um, through the Newcastle uh, Patient Recruitment Centre where they have, um, it was a study that was set up to be delivered um, in a more traditional way and they've moved to a virtual delivery model and been able to not only keep the study going or open the study in the first place, um, but they've really increased uh, the rate of recruitment as well. So that's been incredibly successful. And and so it, I suppose it kind of... Um, necessity has has very much fostered uh, use of innovations where it maybe wouldn't have. And I think there's something with these kind of innovative approaches where the pain barrier of not trying to be innovative um, is lower than the, the pain barrier of being innovative and having to rethink how you do things. Um, so actually, I think we'll see a huge amount of innovation in non-COVID research that comes from this um, as, as we have already. And I think that will continue to grow. Finally, what do you think are the lessons we've learned from delivering clinical trials during the pandemic? Lessons that we might take at, into the future to inform the delight, design and delivery of studies? I think the main lesson is that actually we're very good at this and, and we can take, you know, we're building from a position of strength. I think, that, you know, for us all to reflect on the fact that, that you know, the, the recovery trial hasn't been possible in other places around the world and the UK has been able to you know, to deliver really actionable evidence at great speed for the benefit of patients everywhere around the world. You know, I think everybody can, you know, we can learn a lot from how we did that and the fact that we're building um, from strength. Um, I think the other thing is to be inspired by the art of the possible. Um, so we can take great inspiration from uh, the things that have been achieved, the speed with which things have been achieved, the pace uh, with which um, innovation that we've been seeking to to bring into practice, you know, things that we've been talking about doing for several years and have always felt too difficult, um, or in, you know, in the in the too hard pile, that that 
actually it's demonstrated what's possible. And while it probably isn't possible for us to, to see a lot of studies go from, um, you know, the idea through to being approved and actually happening in, in a trust uh, within nine days, as happened with the recovery trial, we should certainly think that we can do it an awful lot faster um, and, and using more innovative approaches and with an awful lot more embedding in the NHS than we had previously seen. Um, so, yeah, I think the main lessons are, are really how do we build on those strengths and learn from what has worked in the pandemic um, and how we really embed that into the way that we do research into the future. I think we can all agree that clinical research is unlikely to be the same again. And certainly during the pandemic, necessity has been the mother of invention and innovation. And as you've brightly pointed out, clinical research has really been put on the front pages like never before. Emma Lowe, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with me today. Thanks, Alan. Great to speak to you. Thank you for listening. We would very much welcome your feedback on these podcasts. And I hope you will join us again next time.